Ready to keep you company wherever you are. Card Blanche, the podcast, brings you immersive, hard-hitting stories anytime, anywhere, every week. On the surface, commercial farming is an attractive way to make a living. Fertile lands, shiny equipment, healthy stocks, crops, and profits. The reality, though, is often very different. Farmers often build their enterprises on debt. If it works, it's a practical way to build a business, borrow money, buy what's needed, and when the time comes, sell what's been farmed for a profit, pay off the debt, and start all over again. For years, many of those loans came from the land bank. But what happens when things go wrong? How are those loans recovered and who does the recovering? The farmers in today's story claim to have fallen victim to a system conspiring against them. Our producer Anina Pience has this story. They've lost everything. Families ripped apart, legacies shattered. This has happened to so many people, and everybody keeps quiet. Everyone feels humiliated, tired. It's part of the money mafia. It's the all-powerful liquidation industry against worn-out farmers. You fight, but are kicked in the stomach. He won't stop until someone commits suicide. Many have given up, but others continue the fight. There's no answer to this except that there's money to be made. For eight months, we traveled far and wide to understand why some claim the land bank is trying to push white farmers off their land. The Land and Agricultural Development Bank of South Africa was established in 1912. Our forefathers actually set up this bank and then it became a state bank because it's there for the common good of agriculture. Chairman of the agricultural organization's side, Dr. Theo de Jager, is also a farmer. Land Bank was for more than a century the bank with soft ears for the realities of agriculture, like no other bank. But around 2016, aggressive campaigns to collect debt from farmers started in the name of the Land Bank. Farm after farm liquidated as the bank pursued legal action, knocking over huge farming operations to recover relatively manageable debts. Just more than a hundred of them came to us, crying out for help. These farmers don't deny they had debt. It's impossible to operate without significant borrowing. What baffles them is that they hadn't borrowed from the land bank. So why had this state institution come after them? When one would call the land bank, they would say, it's not us. To begin unraveling the mystery, we need to start at what is known as farming cooperatives. Household names like Saitves, Ubaru and Afkri. They're big agribusinesses offering services like loans to farmers. The farmers repay as they earn. If they can't repay, they need to agree a plan with the cooperatives. Farmers rely on harvest to pay off debt, but it seems as soon as the harvests are ready, so are the liquidators. 
In 2011, Land Bank gave most large cooperatives money to lend out. Afri's financial arm is called Unigrow, a name that would become central to our investigation. Unigrow managed what's known as the debt book on behalf of the bank and lent out more than 11 billion rand to farmers. That, says veteran forensic auditor Andre Pranke, is where things began to unravel. The funny situation arising out of this, the land bank gives its money to this third party. That entity took the money and advanced it in terms of their agreements. The farmer didn't know maybe the money came from the land bank. If you delegate something, you must monitor what's going on. That's the basic principle in business. It appears the land bank didn't keep proper track of what the co-ops were doing. And for Unigrow, it seems the land bank debt book became the goose laying golden eggs. On top of the interest earned, sources told us the land bank paid Unigrow around 150 million rand a year. They say agents received handsome commissions and reckless lending was rife. In Tabazimbi Limpopo, Kure Robertson used to own the Bushveld game from Sweet Home. In 2013, Unigro gave him a loan to install irrigation without proper paperwork in place. I wanted to erect two pivots, one at the river and one at my house. But something significant was missing. Unigro's contract specifies that you must have water rights and it must be sustainable. Water can't be taken from a river without water rights, yet Unigro's money was soon in Kruer's account. When he ran into financial trouble some years later, he claims Unigro refused to restructure his debt. My debt to Unigro at that stage was 20 million rand. The farm was valued at 45 million rand. He says he had more assets than debt and wasn't insolvent, a pattern we came across in all the cases we investigated. Then, at the end of 2017, Creer's legal nightmare escalated. A summons arrived from the land bank. I called my accountant to ask, who is land bank? It's like lending money from Kurs, and Pitt comes from the side to slap you. And here the story becomes murkier. Enter Henk Strijdom, Pretoria-based lawyer and liquidator appointed by Unigro. There's a clause in the fine print of Unigro's loan contracts which says if a farmer defaults on any payments, Unigro can sue as it pleases and the farmer is liable to pay Unigro's legal fees. So they're fighting the farmer with his own assets, but where must he get the money back to defend himself? Were farmers being pushed off their land on the instruction of the land bank, or was something else at play? I wasn't bankrupt. Litigation bankrupted me. In a pattern that once again repeated itself throughout our investigation, mostly Unigro clients were sunk by aggressive legal action brought by Stratum for his client. The farmers allege his influence is built on a strong connection with a manager in Unigro's recoveries department Ernst Janssen van Rensburg. He has been a friend of Stradom's for years. When farmers approached Janssen van Rensburg asking for leniency, it's alleged he'd insisted on meeting them in Stradom's office and that he'd refused to negotiate. 
They won't accept anything. They would rather sell him out. There is money to be made for the liquidators and lawyers when writing fees. It's usually those who have a, a rather big enterprise with a lot of fat in it. Like Creer, Marius Kiefer lost his entire inheritance amid mounting legal action. We had debt, but our assets outweighed it. If I look back now at the good three years we had, we could have easily managed our debt. Marius and his father owned nine farms in a partnership called Katbos, growing a variety of crops that always yielded large profits. When their debt piled up around 2018, they had a restructuring plan in mind while waiting for the harvest. Their operation had three creditors, APSA, Sinbes, and Unigro. Their loan from the latter would finally cost them all nine farms. APSA and Sinbes were in favor of our plan. Unigro just said that they're not interested, not willing to negotiate. They wanted their money. If two other big financiers are prepared to continue with this and they want to try and solve something while the other one says, no, I'm pulling the plug on everything. Maurice's son, Johan, would have been the fourth generation owner of Katbos, but there's nothing left to inherit. I had my first cattle before I started school. They attached everything, all my livestock. Unigro declined our request for an interview but said farmers were given ample time to negotiate before being handed over to Stradom. Marius, though, says the sustained legal action brought Katbos to its knees. Despite officially representing Unigro, the bulk of Stradom's applications filed between 2015 and 2020 were done in the name of the Land Bank. At that stage, we didn't know Land Bank was actually Unigro. We learned from Unigro, not Land Bank. We realized when the summons was delivered. When we were handed over to the lawyers, we saw it was the Land Bank. The Land Bank is not Unigro. It is state-owned. And only when it took back its debt book from Unigro in 2020 did it inherit Stradom and his pending cases. Sydney Soundy is the bank's spokesperson. We took a view on those clients where a lawyer would already have been appointed, but where the work of collecting or of a particular legal action had far progressed, that it made sense for us to continue using that particular lawyer to finish off that case. During the decade in which Unigro managed the debt book, documents confirmed Stradom told farmers he held instructions from the land bank. If the land bank never mandated him to liquidate the farmers, why would he refer to his client the land bank? Why not Unigro? Yeah, I, th I think you'll, you'll have to get to the, to the specificities and maybe uh, uh, question that with, uh, with a particular lawyer. Then after our interview, the bank confirmed there is a contract with Stradom, but wouldn't let us see it, saying it was confidential. What the land bank says, they're not going to dis disclose those documents. Now, it may exist, it may not exist. So there is something untoward, and it comes back to the issue that the land bank is not 
in control of its own actions. But further muddying the waters is a claim that the same liquidators and auctioneers are repeatedly used in these cases, something confirmed when the controversy was raised in Parliament. A cause for concern about the potential links between auctioneers, buyers, liquidators and law firms. Our investigation was nearing an end and after repeated but unsuccessful requests for an on-camera interview, we decided to call straight on. I want to talk to you about your actions on behalf of the land bank. I'm not a politician, so I appear in courts and handle things on their behalf. Where did you get the instructions to act against these farmers? Was it at land bank or was it at Unigro? Have you received land bank's comments yet? He was reluctant to answer the question. All we want to know is, is there a mandate? Have you gone through the procedure? Did you follow the procedure before you were hired? No, I didn't. But then you are not legally a lawyer for Land Bank. Crucially, we've been informed that where people are not appointed in line with legislation, their actions may be invalid. Who did you have the answer from Land Bank? It appeared the Land Bank had consulted Stratum before answering questions we sent them. He later agreed to show us his mandate from the bank, but insisted we weren't allowed to show it. The document he produced was dated October 2022. What then was his mandate in the years before? We couldn't persuade him to speak to us on camera, but he did say to us that if his client demanded it, he would sequestrate farmers all over again. Far from a plot to force white farmers from their land, our investigation reveals that the land bank may be trapped in a tussle between elements in the liquidation sector and a handful of unlucky farmers. And while many have long since collapsed, in some cases the legal action is unrelenting. They came four years after my father's sequestration, demanding my brothers and I to pay back our study loans. But if Stratum's actions are proved to have been instituted without a land bank mandate, the consequences could be dramatic, with farmers claiming millions in damages. Each farmer is so depleted and, and heartbroken that they've lost hope. I would say, form a group of people and get the commonalities what's wrong so the courts can see but something is not right here and something is amiss. In total, our sources say 11.4 billion rand of land bank money was dished out. But despite the aggressive legal action, just over 500 million has been recovered. For these farmers, it's about more than losing a farm. It's about entire family legacies being wiped out and livelihoods being lost. If you've been impacted by aggressive liquidation, let us know on the Carte Blanche website. Thanks for listening. Why not share Carte Blanche, the podcast, with family and friends, even those living overseas? They can find us on Spotify and all major platforms.